Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals So I was just telling Raven about this picture, the Tesla and the butterfly doors. And as a Tesla owner myself, I'm very pumped about it. Yeah. Yes, we were. I was, and I was saying it's about creating buzz and doing it in an affordable way. And we quickly realized, you know, because we started this company during the pandemic. And if you don't know what Earthrides is, it's an all electric rideshare company. Our one liner is like Uber, but with Teslas. <laughs> and so you can quickly not only understand what that is, but it's exciting because during the pandemic, that's when you saw Tesla stock split for the first time mm-hmm. and everybody started going on Robinhood and a lot of different um, sustainably minded stocks were on the rise. And so people were really interested, especially in the South for the first time about electric vehicles. And so we were able to capitalize on that and have a very, very affordable customer acquisition cost because of that. So where did this come from for you? Like, I mean, you're, you're clearly a much younger person and, and, and uh, to be this ambitious to start the sub, what's the genesis of this story? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, so my abuela, uh, my family is from Panama and she always talks about how she hated working in the fields, how she didn't want to work in the fields and how her mother, mama is what we call her, um, she would always try and go work with her so that they could leave sooner. And it's interesting because we're, we're in a full circle in my family, which is I'm trying to get back to the fields. I want to, I want to be in the land. I want to learn about how to grow my own food and take care of myself and cultivate health. And that's really where this, this all started is the desire, uh, for health. I had become just inundated by life's toxins. You know, I, I read, I read somewhere once that, the average woman leaves her house having interacted with over 500 different chemicals, which makes sense. I mean, you've got deodorant, shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, you know, you got shampoo, you got all the things, your makeups, all the things, your perfumes. And when I started ridding myself of these toxins, I had, in my mind, I had gotten everything, you know, perfect. Everything was clean and green and organic. And I looked out, I was living in LA at the time. I looked out at the pollution at LAX and I was like, oh my God, pollution. You know, growing up in, um, in lower income communities, we don't have the luxury of saying our air is polluted. Our food isn't high quality. Like we don't (laughs) have, we just trying to have, we're just trying to eat. Like that is really, really the goal. Right. So once I had the luxury of thinking about air quality, it became just over, it just became encompassing. And, And so earth is creating a way for individuals to um, interact with clean technology in a way that isn't intimidating. You know, you don't have to go to the the the, the dealership to to see what an electric vehicle is like. You just order a ride that you were already going to order. Do you think that something like Earth Ride Share helps to kind of take away? kind of maybe some of the fear or hesitation about electric vehicles so, so that there's only electric vehicle options, right? With Earthride? Yeah. Yeah. So we only do electric. Right. So if somebody who is hesitant about it and they like call for this, they're like, oh, wow. They had never, a lot of people have never seen a Tesla or been in one. Like that's yeah. my experience. I've had mine for three or four years 
And I still get people come up to me like, well, how far does it go? Like, what's the main, like, they just don't know, you know? Oh, so we mess with them all the time. We'll be like, where do you <laughs> think the engine is? Isn't the, front ah. or the back or the bottom? They're like, oh, this is a tough one. I think maybe it's in the back, you know, they're yeah. like trying to figure it out. It's like a trick <laughs> question. Um, yeah, it really allows people to ask, you know, quote unquote, stupid questions to the driver um, in a very relaxed setting. You know, people get in the car and it's just, they bombard the drivers. Well, what's yeah. it like to charge it? And how far does it really go? And do you actually like it? What's your favorite feature? And, you know, it's really fun because we are, just exposing people. And and I'm not the kind of person that says, you know, I think it's interesting because electric vehicles have become really political in the sense of like they're eco um, or they're not right. Oh, you yeah. know, they're mining, um, they're mining precious metals. So they're not eco-friendly, this, that, not the other. Look, it is a step in the right direction. It is not perfect. At the end of the day though, it is a better driving experience. Most period. definitely period like it is so superior you know it i mean regenerative braking could you imagine your life without it at this point you don't even use old... the brake pedal <laughs> you never we our first car that we had to change the brakes on had hit a hundred thousand miles on the brake pads before we had to change it i mean we're talking about efficiency from a mechanical standpoint that right there alone gets me really excited and granted again it's not a perfect system but i'm excited about the innovation that's to come do I think, and I know you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you, do I think, <laughs> do I think that we need to mandate that, you know, only EVs can be sold? I think you get into some tricky territory here when you start trying to control civilization, you know, anytime yeah. that you are trying to tell people what they have to do, there's going to be some resistance. And I think electric vehicles don't have to be mandated because they're just great. You know, it was like, People naturally went from horse-drawn carriages to the Ford Model T. People are naturally going to get into electric vehicles yeah. once they see how superior of a drive it is. What do you think about different states, um, like let's say like California, right? At some point there's going to be, I can't remember the year, 2030, 2035, where you're only allowed to, you're not allowed to sell a combustible engine uh, anymore. What do you think about those different, different type of standards, Washington state where I'm at, same thing, those type of rules coming up. Yeah. Again, I think it's tricky because, you know, it's kind of like when you tell your kid to eat their vegetables, they're going to push back, right. Yeah. Versus making those vegetables appealing and enticing and exciting. And I, I am, you know, I lean more towards a libertarian kind of viewpoint in life, which is granted, I want everyone to make the right decision. What I think is the right decision but I know that I can't force that. I know, you know, and so I think it becomes a little tricky. And I, I and I also am concerned about how prepared we are for those types of changes. I don't think it's something that, um, you know, we can just do overnight. And I think it's interesting because these types of mandates have been touted as they're going to help carbon emissions. And it's like, yeah, there are no carbon emissions from a tailpipe standpoint, but you're selling a car. You had to create that car. You had to create, you know, pollution and waste in order to manufacture that vehicle. Does everyone need a new vehicle? That's, I mean, that's, that's really what it gets down to. Right. Like, are we even making sustainable choices from a day to day? Like your, my, my grandfather who lives out in, in middle of nowhere, Tennessee, he had an old truck and the truck, you couldn't lock it, couldn't lock it, any of the doors. 
and you didn't even need a key to start it. He had, he had a screwdriver in, <laughs> in the ignition and you would turn the screwdriver, but that truck ran. I mean, he ran that thing until it wouldn't run anymore. And then he bought himself a new car. And I know for a fact that that car will, will be with him until he passes. Like that type of, you know, sustainable choice thing is really what I want to see us move towards versus this kind of fast pace, even, you know, fast fashion type of lifestyle. What is a, but what does a transition look like time-wise or even feasibility-wise to have maybe a similar amount of electric cars on the road as gas cars or even more electric? What's that look like to you? Well, that kind of goes back to the what we were just saying is like, yes, the transition can happen, but does it need to happen as fast as we think it needs to? Because if we have all these gas cars on the road right now and they've got another 20 years in their life cycle, who are we to say, Oh, well you need to discard it. It's now waste and buy an EV. That's just as wasteful. You know, it's like you, that's just as wasteful as switching over to an electric vehicle, because what are we going to do with that gas car? Right. You know, it still had life in it. It still had purpose. It's already, it's already in the ecosystem. So are we just going to, is it just going to go to the dump? Um, but I think I think it will happen in our lifetime where the majority of vehicles are going to be some sort of future technology. I don't think we stop at electric vehicles. I think we can go beyond that. I think we have yet to really unlock the full power of regenerative systems, right? Like we know just a little bit of what regenerative braking can do, but how further can we go on that? We don't even have anything touched in yet with solar. You know, we've kind of been pushed away from hydrogen there's a lot of different options out there. And I think it's our job to continue to explore them. And I think that's sometimes why these types of mandates can be dangerous because now we're stating that EV is the way, it's right? The way, right. Yeah. But we don't know. We don't know what's after that. Like there could be something even better than electric. And I think that's really what I stand for at earth is that, Hey, right now, electric is a great, if not the best option out there. And so that's what we endorse, but we're also open to exploring what's next for the earth. That's really interesting. I don't think I've heard that point of view because I think so much what's out is about electric vehicles, electric vehicles. This is what we're moving towards. Right. And even like, I actually wanted to talk to you too, about like, what role do you think the tax credits play in that and facilitating people towards more electric vehicles or just moving away from gas cars? Man, you're getting political up in here. I'm just, listen, we're going to go there. (laughs) I listen, I, I feel very yeah. strongly about these cars, but mm-hmm. I also like I like your idea of like what else is there? Like I always say this with people like, well, what's after streaming? Like mm-hmm. and people go, well, it's just, I'm like, there's got to be something else. You know, we should be open to those ideas, you know? Yeah. You know, again. I I'm a freedom of choice kind of person, you know, I, I don't want to be told what to do. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's interesting because I am a very, I don't, there's not really a word for me. Like, I'm not really a hippie. I'm kind of like a crunchy person, whatever. Like I'm organic. I'm, I don't wear deodorant. Like I don't wear perfumes. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in my own little unique box and I kind of like to tell people what to do. Like in my office, you can't wear perfume or cologne. So I am limiting freedoms in that sense. Yeah. But I live by this kind of Immanuel Kant, who's a philosopher. I live by one of his maxims, which is in a very nutshell sense is like, 
whatever you will as universal, whatever you do, you have to be comfortable to will that is universal law. So if I believe that um, I'm entitled to run a red light, I have to then will that to be universal law that everyone can run a red light. Whatever I do, I have to be comfortable with to make sure that everyone else can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, And so when I think about like tax credits, I have to say, okay, well, I have to be comfortable with that. My money is going to something that I believe is good, but maybe the next person doesn't, or maybe the next person doesn't feel feel like that's where our money should go. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to think about because a credit is still, somebody's still eating that cost. Like that's not how that's business, right. isn't, business works in a way in which like the money went somewhere. So I, I am interesting enough. I am kind of like, I don't think it is our number one focus. I think we should be more focused on water, on the quality of our water. Um, I think we should be focused on the quality of our education. Um, you know, I didn't learn anything in school that helped me <laughs> in real life. Nothing, not one thing, right? Like, I think that's pretty indicative of a lot of people's educational that's terrible. journey, right? That's a re- we need a reformatting of what we're learning and how applicable it is to the real 20 world, years. right? So like, we wasted come on. 20 years. So when you think about tax credits to me, it's like, yeah, it's nice in theory, but you know, we're not even at that stage in humanity where we get to think about things like that. Like we should be thinking about like what's in our water supply. I was reading an article and this is, I don't, I don't know how true this is. I really hope it's not, but, um, you know, a bio sludges. Okay. So they are recently, some States have approved the ability to, um, dispose of human remains in the water supply and create and then it becomes into bio sludge what was in those humans that i don't want in my body there's a lot of things there's a lot of things so i don't drink tap water i never drink tap water i drink spring water that i've already tested through and through but i wash my clothes with tap water i shower sometimes with tap water i mean those things are you know when i you know we're going back to my business which is earth rides all electric ride share but what it stands for is a healthy lifestyle is, is questioning and thinking about a healthy lifestyle. And I think we just got so many more problems than electric vehicles. I think it's why you see Elon doing so many different things. And sometimes people are like, Oh, you know, just focus on one thing. It's like, yeah, well, we got more than one problem. Like yeah. EVs are something that's cool and fun and exciting and, and gets almost people into the conversation. But then it's like, once you're in the conversation, let's go a little bit deeper because there's a lot more problems on earth that we need to figure out. I'm going to tell you a big problem that's uh, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this. I have no clue. We just end up chatting. I think that's the beauty of chatting is there's very large meta-analysis. I mean, huge group of studies about low sperm count mm-hmm. and how humankind is on the brink of almost a non-returnable sperm count. Right. This is not a, a big story to most humans, by the way, but it should be because it's related to health and wellness and how we're living and chemicals and all those things. This is another huge problem that I think is part of this whole ecosystem of things we we really need to tackle better. Well, isn't it interesting that we are sold climate change is going to kill us. We are sold all these kind of things about being eco-friendly. It's going to take us out. We need to eat, you know, um, genetically modified uh, plant-based meats in order to reduce carbon output from animals so that we can survive. 
well, but if we, if our, if we're not able to reproduce, we're not surviving anyways. Won't matter. Yeah. We, it will literally not it matter. It really I mean, won't matter. I, I talk to women all the time. I, I don't take any form of um, synthetic birth control. I utilize naturally natural family planning. If you, if you're, if you don't know what that is, it's basically, um, knowing what the female body is supposed to do and then looking at the patterns in that. And so I'm able to say, okay, these are the days in which I've, this is the day in which I ovulated. Here's how many days before and after that, um, I, I am able to, um, create life in those days. And then if I don't want to, then you, you know what, how it, you know, it takes a sperm in order to get to an egg. Right. So like yeah. thinking about it from that perspective versus trying to take a contraceptive that is going to not only negatively impact my potential fertility down the road, that's even, that's just like one part of it, but it's also going to negatively impact my body. I mean, we're talking about rises in cancers and different types of, um, you know, endometriosis types, like illnesses that so many women are facing because of these birth controls. I mean, this is the stuff that really gets me excited and, and why you asked me like why I started earth is because um, I actually have never talked about this. Uh, <laughs> in 2016, I decided to defer from law school and go live in Panama. I grew up in the South with brown hair, brown eyes, brownish skin, which meant that people always ask me, where are you from? And I would say, I'm from Nashville, born and raised. Where are you from, from? And as soon as they said from, from, I knew what they meant, right? Yeah. Why are you the way you are? You're not white. And so I said, well, my mother's from Panama. Okay. You're Panamanian. You're Hispanic. You're Spanish. You're Mexican. That's like all the little things I would hear. And so when I finished undergrad, I was like, I need to go understand what it means to be Panamanian. Cause I've been saying this now for 19, 20 years and I'm not Panamanian. I'm going to go live down there. Well, um, it's recommended by a, uh, federal entity to receive certain immunizations to go live in Central America. And so I did that thinking that I was supposed to do that because that's what the government told me to do. And I got really sick. I had really bad reactions for almost two years. And that's really what started my health journey is the reactions that I had to those immunizations. I mean, I could barely, I could barely function. I could, yeah. I, I could, I mean, it was, it was so bad to the point where you know, my hands were shaking, my eyes were twitching, the anxiety, depression, acne all over my face, not to mention all the gut issues that we won't get into. And so that's really what started my journey. That's why I focused on like freedom of choice, freedom of information um, and allowing people to get on this health journey. And hopefully they get on this health journey themselves without having to go through sickness, because I know what that's like. And it's, it's really tough. The freedom conversation is an interesting one. I, I'm not sure I've had that with anybody on here, but you seem like the right person to talk about this with, with that. How do you see freedom when maybe, let's say the freedom that you espouse is very different from the freedom of someone else who goes, well, I want freedom, but it has to fit my narrative of freedom for that. What would be an example of that? Let's just say if it was someone who wants the freedom over what they put in their body, Mm. then they don't want the freedom of say, like telling you, like, you can't have this product or that product type of thing or whatever. It's like, like maybe it's gun control, maybe it's vaccination, whatever it is. Maybe you say, Hey, freedom to do this or that, but like, no, no, I don't want you to have that freedom for that thing, but you can have, I want this freedom for this other thing type of thing. Right. Yeah. 
It's very hypocritical because, you know, I was, um, I was in New York when Roe v. Wade, um, was repealed. Yeah. Is that the right word? I should know that as an attorney, um, nonetheless. And I had a lot of men, men specifically, are you okay? Um, asking me if I was okay. And, and I said, well, that's not a decision that is really affects me. If I were to get pregnant, I'm going to have my child. I, I hope, right. Of course, if something happens and you know, there are the, there are the sure. outliers, but let's just talk about like the straight on straight of like, if I, if I, if I didn't want to have a child, you know, would I make that decision? So it didn't necessarily affect me, but I understand that that freedom is tied into all the other freedoms. While I might not agree, or I might agree with the the choice to do something like that, going back to that that universal law, if I take away that freedom to do that, then can they take away my freedom to do this? It's very difficult. It's a very slippery slope and you become you easily become hypocritical because if I lived in a perfect world, no one would be allowed to eat McDonald's. McDonald's wouldn't exist. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? But like, I would take away that freedom. But right. then I'm being hypocritical because then I'm saying, well, OK, if you can't have the freedom to do that, then why do I get the freedom, you know, to I would love to not wear shoes all the time. Right. But like you have to in order to go and shop in, in a store, you have to put on shoes or else they could say that I don't that I, I can't be serviced there. So it's like you're you're balancing this kind of this this freedom train of what is permissible to freedom. And I think that's like when you, I think the whole freedom of speech conversation, which we've seen a lot mm -hmm. and everything happening in Twitter and like this whole idea of misinformation. I just find it so interesting because not what is it miss what, who, who gets to decide what misinformation is, mm -hmm. you know, who gets to decide that? No, you can't say that. And you can have freedom to say what I want you to say. Well, that's not real freedom. And, and oftentimes you're finding people who have actually experienced lack of freedom, who have grown up in communists and socialists and fascists and dictatorships, um, unfortunately, almost leaning too far to the right. But because they understand what my, my mother grew up in under Noriega, like talk about lack of freedom. Right. I have friends who, who, who remember Fidel Castro coming onto the scene. Like they, they know what that's like. And it's like, you can't take away from those experiences. And it's, we live in such a beautiful um, kind of weird utopian world in the United States because we do have more freedom than everybody else. Right. But it's still, it's still curated. Like it's still, you know, you have to do this to go to school. You have to report this. You have to guess how much you owe to the IRS and they're not going to tell you even though they know <laughs> how much you owe. I mean, like all these different little things. I think right. it's, yeah, freedom is a very is a very tricky place to live because who's freedom, you know, who, who gets who's to decide freedom? what the definition. Yeah. That's, that's always been my deal is like, well, well, whose freedom is it? You know, as much as I may not like seeing or hearing certain things, I feel like, you know, that's part of the deal is protecting that freedom, even if it's not something I agree with. And, and I, but I think like it's anything like there's, there is a point, there is a line does in that line, is it defined very clearly about what, when someone says certain thing or does this and it incites something or it creates harm, I think sometimes are, are we looking at that the right way or not? I don't know. I'm just saying there can't be chaos, you know, all the time. Like no one thrives in chaos 
like as a society, but it's like, where's the line? I think we're trying to figure out the line. I don't know completely about it. I'm just throwing things out there with it. It's interesting. It's like, I think some people want a certain line and somebody, some people want the line here. Some people want it here. Some people want it down there. Where's the line? Mm, you know, like, mm. I think that's, we, we struggle with that by also trying to maintain this kind of open dialogue. You know, no one wants this, like, no one wants a, a situation like a communist situation where it's like, you're afraid to say something because you may be jailed for it, you know? I mean, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to say even some of the things I've said in this conversation make me uncomfortable because I know that my words don't really live in true freedom in the sense of I can be quote unquote persecuted and not persecuted like, you know, um, religious individuals sure. in China or other, you know, Middle Eastern countries. I'm not going to lose my life, but I might lose my livelihood. If someone didn't agree with what I said here, if I said I was for or against something specific, yeah. right, then I might be quote unquote canceled. And so we have lost a sense of freedom, you know, because people decide that you know, I mean, there's so many cases where somebody did something that somebody else didn't like. And they said, all right, now let's all go tweet their business and get right. them fired. Right? right. Like, I mean, the power of the mob is just, it, it's crazy at this point. It, it's become overwhelming um, to, to the point where you have to wonder who started all that, you know, who, That's who interesting. why, why is there so much division between us? Hmm. That's a good question. Who? Well, I think it's kind of the thing. It's like it's like asking a question. What's the genesis of Earth rides? Like, do we are we having the mindset of like, can we rewind back and think, how did this begin? It's kind of like asking, like we think about the like the World Wide Web. Okay, <laughs> the whole thing it was created in 1990 by Tim Berners Lee. If we went back to that time, did Tim Berners Lee think about the future of this technology and what the consequences are? for that when did we start becoming like this where cancellation like i'm really trying to think when did that start like mm. what was the edge of that where you're like well it's been point? it's been exist in existence right because in the cold war if someone i mean if even before the cold war like if if um in colonial times if you were thought to be a witch Right. right. You're gone. You're done. Right. You know, I mean, how how far back can we go in history where, where it's like you hold your tongue because if somebody says something about you, you're going to lose your spot. You're going to lose your right. spot. Or you're going to lose your life. And so it's like right. conformity is a way for civilization to kind of create a, a, a false sense of safety. Right. You know, we don't want anything different because we don't know what it means to be different. And if you are different, you can threaten our way of existing. So we need to remove you. But I think like when you're talking about like current day times, um, I think it's interesting. I think it kind of started around 9-11. If I'm being if I mm. if I can think back, because that's when you started to see um, that kind of persecution that we hadn't yet really been exposed to since before, you know, Jim Crow type era where now everybody knows if you go to the airport and you look a certain way and you have a certain yeah. name, right. You're getting called out. So, because you're not fitting into the, you know, you're not fitting into those lines. It's almost like you're you, that, that whole religion and race was canceled, so to speak, because of what happens at nine 11. And then, and then it was just, I think it's just kind of compounded since then. 
Well, it's kind of like that was I, mean, I have a very intimate knowledge of 9-11. I've, I mean, mm -hmm. it, that's a whole other segment. I mean, with my family with that. But um, racial profiling became very big after 9-11 and security. And then we we look we created like an extremist faction of Muslims. People started blanketing Muslim people, people who practice. And who are Muslim, like, oh, they're bad. Mm hmm. Instead of being like, OK, this is a very extremist element mm -hmm. of being Muslim, but people were blanketing it. And that if you, it's actually a good point, because you think about that, we've kind of just continued that in different forms mm -hmm. within society. The extreme aspects of things have gained a lot more traction ever since yeah. that time. Absolutely. We don't think we don't look at things from the perspective of like, oh, you're a Muslim or oh, you're a conservative. And there right. are there are factions within your sectors that are extreme. But there are just normal people who you can connect with on a day to day basis who are going to open the door for you, who are right. going to lend you five bucks when you run out of gas. Like there, yeah. there's still normal people in all different types and, in, 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 you know, all different types of factions that we've lost the ability to connect with humans. And I think it's because of the, I think it's because of the, the technology. I think it's, I really do think it is like, I, 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 I thankfully am not beholden to my phone. I live a life where I try and, and, and make sure that I'm not uh, reachable. Yeah. I really do. And I, and so when I do that, I'll go out in public and sometimes I'll go sit and have dinner by myself. And most people who sit and have dinner by themselves, what do they do? They just scroll on their phone. That's right. I just sit and watch. I just, yeah. I'm like, this is, this is, this is real life. I'm going to go watch people and I'll watch groups of people, especially in Nashville. It's a big tourist um, city. I'll watch these tourists come in and, you know, they're at a new restaurant they've never been to in a city they've never visited. And there's four of them and they all sit down and they talk, they order their drinks, they get their drinks. And within five to seven minutes, like clockwork, they're all on their phone scrolling. Yep. You were, that's, that's like, that's like reserved for when you're at home bored in right. bed before, like, like you're scrolling in real life on a Friday night. <laughs> of course, of course, uh, infertility is down, you know, yeah. like you're not even allowing nature to do what it's supposed to do, which is like smell the, the pheromones of the opposite yep. sex and attract it in. Like you're just, you're just sitting there completely beholden to, to your, to your thumb. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, June 7th, 2007 is going to be a huge day in our history because that's when the first iPhone came out. And mm. that is a, that's an inflection point in humanity. I really believe that with, and then this, the, the explosion, the growth of, um, other forms of like a social media beyond that point. And it's funny, I'll tell you a quick story. It's like after that time, I was meeting with some people. I used to live in Vegas for a long time and I used to meet with this person I respect a lot, but they would always come with their phone and place it on the table during our meetings, mm -hmm. which I can't stand. I literally can't stand it. Where do you want it to be? And I just don't want it to be in front of me, like, okay. like their phone, because they are addicted to their phone. So what happens is, so I told this person, I said, when we meet, I don't want you to have your phone out there because I want you to focus on what we're talking about. Yeah. Because right now, if anything pings on that phone while we're meeting, you will interrupt yeah. our conversation. Yeah. You just will. You don't have the power to like not do it. And you're addicted. And, and they stopped doing it. And our conversations were light years better. And they over time said, man, this is a great 
lesson because I feel like I was not connecting with people because I was just always thinking about who's going to call me, who's going to text me, stuff like that. And my family, my daughter, my wife, we are not, we do not allow phones or anything when we're eating, talking, none of that stuff. We want to have connection with people. But I see it all the time when I meet with people, they got their phones out all the time. I'm just like, we're, we're meeting. <laughs> like This is this, a real life human interaction. This is an interaction. Leave that. And often I just even leave my phone in my car or somewhere else. When I go, I just don't even give myself the option for it. I, I've found real issue. like so much anxiety when I'm waiting for an email, you know, I'm waiting for this mm. email that says if this dealer is, is going to happen or, you know, oh. whatever is on the table. And as soon as my phone rings every time I, my body, I mean, mm. it's just like, it's reacting, you know, I'm like, Oh, there's a text message. Oh, just my husband telling me he loves me. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for this email, you know, it's like, <laughs> stop, stop jamming on my phone line, you know, yeah, but it, yeah. it really, it really is like, we've really become beholden. Um, to that and you know I guess you can compare I always try and say okay but what was before that so like before that we were always waiting for you know that piece of letter in the mail mm. you know we would get excited when the mailman came but it's interesting because it wasn't so um captivating on a all-day sense right no. the mailman comes at three o'clock every day so at three o'clock you know if it's going to be in there or not, yeah. you can go check and then it's done. Then you got to wait till tomorrow kind of situation. Whereas like your phone, I got an email last night. Um, I was tired. I wanted to go to bed and I was like, it was, it was eight 30. So I was like, let me stay up for a little bit longer. Else I'm going to be up too early. And so I stayed up for an hour and I got an email, very important email. I didn't go to bed till one o'clock. Because yeah. that email just had me racing. I, right. would, I almost wish I would have gone to bed and not right. seen the email because then I started working. I started getting, I started getting into it. And it's like, that isn't, yes, like hustle culture is good. And like, don't get it twisted. That's how I was able to grow a company so quickly with, with, you know, really just a lot of hustle and grit. Um, but I sacrificed my health. Like I was on my way to being the healthiest I've ever been before I started this company started this company and my health started going backwards and it wasn't re really until recently the last couple of months that I was like nope I can't focus on growth of a company if I can't before growth of myself because this company is built on me and if I'm not healthy then I'm not going to be able to you know have a, a healthy environment for for my yeah. you know my employees and, and my customers and things like that so it is very much so a balance. And again, like my whole mission is really just to get people excited and, and feel as if health is something that's cool. You know, yeah. I want women, instead of being like, I've been on birth control since I was 14 years old. I want women to be like, yeah, I know my ovulation schedule and I know how my temperature affects. And I know the, the position of my uterus and how that affects my fertility. Like I'm cool. And I'm in the know because I know this stuff. Like to me, that type of information is not only sexy, but it's powerful. You know, we should, I hope that at some point, you know, your, your wife is starting to teach your children about like what all these things mean, because sure. that that's really what it, what, it, what matters in life is like this knowledge, just the basics of like how to feed yourself, mm -hmm. how to reproduce what it is to reproduce. I'm actually really excited because I've been looking at, um, for a hobby, <laughs> taking doula classes. I'm like, Oh, nice. You know, I, I, I want to know, like, that's, that's the type of information that we are losing all of the time. And we have to get that back. Like we have to get, we can't let nature be lost to us. 
I just, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm 44, so I, I remember having no technology, like the current technology. And mm -hmm. a lot of times I miss that because it was just a more intuitive time for that. And, you know, I, I remember like getting my first email. I was in college. I don't even know what email was. Somebody told me, like, you have to check your email. I was like, what's that? I remember that like it was yesterday. But I also can exist in a time without any of this stuff. I would just remember like mm -hmm. not having a phone. How different were the, I was talking to a friend about old Nashville because Nashville's yeah. been slow to grow, right? And up until recently. So old Nashville was landlines, right? People, people had yeah. landlines and, and people, everybody went out. So like you would see all your, you knew like, I bet my homeboys are going to be at these three spots. I'm yeah. going to go by and just see if whoever's there. And so it means you went out and you interacted and you like engaged mm -hmm. and you danced. There were so oh, many. Yeah. I was, I was, I was at the club at 14. Um, so, <laughs> actually, so I do remember um, good or bad, but like now there's no dance clubs. It's all about, it's all about Instagram photos. Every Crazy. single bar is like created so that there are Instagram worthy moments right. in the bar. So people are just going there to take photos and like not interact. That's insane. As humans, <laughs> it's so crazy. And it's like, I remember being able to go, like there was a super cool spot on Tuesday nights that had throwback R&B. And so everybody would be line out the door, everybody be inside dancing. Nobody would be recording. Like, yeah. You never had to worry. And like it's almost interesting because now... Like, it's almost like when you go out, you know, you're going to be photographed and recorded. And so it's like, it's like draining. It's like, I just want to have fun to have fun. Yeah. Not because there's a, a camera like, recording me yeah. to make it look like I'm having fun. It's very odd. <laughs> make it look like that's the key to make it look like look. you're having fun. There's yeah. a different reality. I just, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, I, I enjoy technology, but I try to create a life where there is a mixture of this current technology, but also the past that I felt was just more intuitive. And mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like you just took a chance more often. You just did. You took more chances of who you're going to see, who you're going to meet, where you're going to go. You don't know if it's going to be popping or not. You know, you, have, you could just try a club and be like, I don't know if it's good. You just I'm just going to try it. You know? And the collective's energy force field was so much stronger because. Yeah when it was popping, everyone felt it. And, yes. and it was almost like everyone just kind of like, and all of a sudden all your homies are at the same spot on a yeah. Tuesday night and you didn't tell anybody. It wasn't right. like we all planned it and everybody was there. It was like, no, everyone just kind of felt like, I need to go check it out tonight. See what, see what's up. You know, it's very, we've almost dumbed down our own abilities <laughs> as humans right. to be intuitive. You yes. know, I was talking to my, my founder the other day. I was like, I can't tell if I have, if I've weakened my intuition or if I am trying to attract in things that aren't mine. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what that is because there was a time and there still is a time in my life where like, I just know, I know when to get up. I know when to leave. I know when to stay. I know when to call somebody. Like I just have this feeling, but right now, I don't know if it's because I'm being inundated with so much yeah, or if it's because I'm trying to go after things that aren't meant for me. But it's interesting because, you know, intuition is a big part of like my culture and, and the way I, I kind of maneuver in life. You know, sometimes you ever just get that feeling where it's like, it's time to go, you know, yeah. you don't know why, but you're like, yeah. I need to get out this, you know? Yeah. And I've been able to I've been able to have some really cool experiences with that. Like on my Instagram, people see that I've gotten to meet Mark Cuban a couple of times and like mm -hmm. sit and chat and talk with him. And that was only because my intuition was like, 
go right now go get up and and walk out this room and then you're going to run in i don't know but i'm going to run into somebody yeah. and then i'm going to take the opportunity and seize it you know if if i was always trying if i was always connected to my phone would i even know those opportunities exist because i'm i'm down i'm not up, <laughs> you know i'm not up in the world yeah up that's a good not up in the world and it's even like it's invaded even like just our outdoor pursuits is where I see people like danger stuff. I see people on their phone crossing crosswalks and streetlights. I'm like, you're dampening your ability to sense danger also. Mm, mm. Like that is a safety issue to me as well. So it's like it's like we're trying to turn down the dial on our intuition and just our gut, our feeling about things. I actually think that's really dangerous. Absolutely. I mean, you have to think about like, why are women so fearful of birth? Because we've been looking down at a screen telling us that's what we need to be fearful of. Yeah. How many women do you know have experienced, have been at someone else's birth? Like mm -hmm. most of the time, women, the first time they experience birth is in their own birth. Yes. Whereas generationally, my my abuela, she was there sitting outside of the 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 hut, the 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 small house structure when my my, my her mother my mama was having her babies my grandma my, my grandmother was told go outside and wait and when you come back in there's going to be a baby so she right. was like there was nobody else around either so she like goes back in and she's like like yo what's going on and her mother let her experience that as a, as a seven-year-old girl to watch you know children come into the world and then she, my grandmother had six children naturally right. yeah <laughs> you know it's like of course that happens when you're experiencing it and you're not looking down, having that experience be told to you. You know, I think that's some of the, the programming that we are, we're sold is just, this is how this experience is, whether it be anything, yeah. right. Whether it be marriage, whether it be birth, whether it be raising children, it's like, this is what this experience is. This is how hard it is. This is how terrible it is. It's like, yeah, but says who, you know, like says your, your storyline. It can be however you want it to be. Um, but you know, same thing That's with death. Lot. It's the same mm. thing with death. We need to have better conversations about death. I mean, I have experienced seeing someone take their last breath and what that feels like and the aftermath of that. And there's a lot of people who never see that, you know, maybe they're shielded from it, but it's, it's another transition in life that has to be discussed. And if we just, and especially happens like when you're really young, you don't even want to think about it. You think almost mm -hmm. it's not even going to happen to me, mm -hmm. but it will <laughs> like, and having that discussion and being a part of that ceremony of, of, of death actually is really critical. I think it's another thing like we're trying to shield ourselves from it on some level. This is not an Instagram moment. This is this is a, a gut check moment of understanding that things are going to change. It's going yeah. to change. You're yeah. going to die. Like we've been robbed of some of those kind of ex those. Those are real life experiences. Yes. Not me going to a bar, taking a picture for Instagram. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. being beside another human when they take their last breath that's that's really a privilege the privilege to, to get to experience that yes. I, i've experienced a lot of death at a young age but i've i had the opportunity recently and it's not as similar as a human but i had the opportunity to bury my uh, an animal yeah um you know most people they get their animal cremated they're in the city they right. can't bury it whatever it's just like you give it to somebody they cremate it here's some ashes like it's very transactional and this particular dog of ours, she had lived for 18 years uh, wow. very healthily. Yeah, we have a 19-year-old dog um, who's wow. very, very healthy, uh, healthier than her sister. But when um, 
this dog passed, I knew, um, we knew, I was like, we have to do something natural. So I called up, I have a, a grandfather who lives in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, who has land dedicated to this park. You know, he's got acres on acres on acres, but he has a plot that, you know, yeah. that's where all the animals are buried. And so my husband and I were able um, to spend the afternoon. Uh, we'll spend the morning with her body when she passed early in the morning. So we spent that time holding her. I've never, I've never held in some, hold something that was dead. Yeah. You know, you've seen your family member, you kind of maybe touched their hand and yeah. this again, transactional thing. And so I was able to hold, you know, this, this animal that had passed and I felt that there was no life. I kind of felt the life That's you know, right. really leave. And then we were able to take her um, body into the woods. Um, we, we did a, we did our own ceremony. We had oils, we had candles, we, we put oils on her. We, we dug the hole, we laid her in the hole. And it's like, it is a very, um, intense experience to put dirt on. It's almost like, it's almost, you know, your humanity is like, no, don't put dirt on it because then what if it's still alive? You know, what if it can come back? And the whole time you're like hoping, but that grieving process is just so much more real and you're able to really understand and see it. You know, it's not like, you know, when I've had family members die, they put them in a beautiful suit and they put the makeup on them and it looks like they're just, they're sleeping, right? Like that's what we're sold is they're just sleeping in this beautiful casket in this air conditioned room. And it's like, no, in reality, I think humanity, we need to be bearing the whole, like we need to be as ancestral as it is, like putting our loved ones in back into the earth versus, and this is very earth, earth of me versus <laughs> injecting them with chemicals, yeah. <laughs> creating a bunch of waste uh, or when it comes to like the esophaguses of like all of the, all the things that we create around death, that is a, a, a money industry and also gets into our water supply and affects our, our health. Uh, you know, all these things that we do that we just don't think of. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that humanity needs to reconsider, especially when it comes to how we deal with life and death. I like that you said the word reconsider because it wasn't like, this just needs to happen. You know, it was like freedom, right? There's a freedom, (laughs) right? Freedom says we just, we should consider it. It's kind of like with, this is full circle with the electric cars, at least consider it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you have to or you should, but maybe just consider it. I mean, I tend to think whenever you'd ride in one, you're like, whoa. <laughs> you're like, That's the thing is like, as soon as you get in, as soon as you get in, it sells like, itself. Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's like eating an organic strawberry versus a non one. Just consider right. it. Just try it. Because as consider soon as you try it, it you're going to be like, oh, wait. I've been sold a lie, you know, I've been sold, but if you're forcing it, going back to that, you know, freedom, if you're forcing that choice, it's never going to taste as sweet, right? Because it has that, that, that underlying taste of control that nobody Yes, the bitterness of control. Yeah. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. interesting. I see this went a whole, this went a whole different direction. We did it. Right. We're just, we're moving, we're shaking and raving. This is just, uh, this is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with me. Uh, especially knowing how much you guard your time and um, and how you want to uh, have parameters of the things you want to do. So thank you for allowing me to be in within those parameters to chat with you. No, thank you for creating a space that allows it. I mean, this is a, this is a great way to spend my time, right? Connecting with another human, having scary conversations yeah. where I put my real opinion out there. That's and, right. You know, cancel. And it's like, no, you well, got to do know, it. You got to do, do it. it. You know, got to do it. Yeah. Well, Please tell people how they can connect 
uh, with Earth Ride Share. It's currently in Nashville, but in other places coming up, right? Austin, Texas, Austin, Scottsdale, and we've got some more cities coming online here soon. We'll, we'll have some some big changes happening um, by springtime that we're really excited to talk about. But you can go to earthrideshare.com. You can download the Earth Rides app in App Store, and you can connect with me um, at ravenhernandez.com as well. Thank you, Raven, so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you.